Okay, I I wrote this down initially, co- considering I forgot they beat the Eagles, but it said, still have yet to beat a team over 500, and then I laughed. Hello, and welcome back to the Second and Two podcast. I'm your host, TB. I got my co-host, producer extraordinaire, hat connoisseur, master of the grills, Lover of lens frames. Senior ladies man. Uh master of the of the audio. Back to back weeks putting it out same day. And overall good person, my co-host Jody. What's up, Joe? That's good, man. Uh I was just watching Polar Express with the kids, so I mean that's what I was on before this. I don't know what's a what's a staple Christmas movie for you. Staple Christmas movie? Okay, yeah. well, I don't want my family. Elf. If you say Elf, I'm gonna just walk out the building. You know what's funny about that is uh, is Jill really likes that one, and I'm That's not. Crazy. Elf is cool. It's it's whatever. I'm not. I'm not one of those who's like ah oh, Elf. Gotta watch it. Like I feel like I've seen it too many times. Uh-huh. Um, it's not bad. I'm not trying to start controversy here. I'm just like I've seen it a lot. But one that we watch every year that still makes me laugh is Christmas Vacation. We always watch it Christmas Eve, whole family, uh-huh. um, whether we're together or we're separate that year or whatever. But all of us, we always yeah. watch Christmas Vacation every Christmas Eve. So that's the staple one for us. I mean, in a given year, you know, there's some other ones that kind of rotate through like that I like to watch. But that's that's my favorite one for sure. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, I get that. No, I Elf is always on regular TV, and I feel like it's always in just like random parts. And it's like sometimes it's a it's a good part. Other times, it's like oh, well, this this movie is here, of course, you know. Yeah, so yeah. Just keep scrolling. My mom, uh, my mom really likes Christmas with the Cranks. I think that's one of her favorites. Uh huh. One's not bad either. You know, I mean, I think that's that's a yearly one. Yeah, for go her. Home Alone. Home Alone is probably one of my favorites for sure. Yeah. I like uh, another one that kind of uh, gets in and out year to year is uh, I'll Be Home for Christmas. That's a good one. I uh, know Johnny's a big fan of Jingle All the Way. I, I We watched that, that one this year, Jingle All the Way. Jill had not seen that one. I showed that oh, one really? to her. So, so <laughs> my classes this week was our – this past Friday was our last day of school. We finished yeah, up yeah. finals. So my classes, I let them watch a movie. And we were on Disney Plus, and I was like, what do you guys want to watch? And they were, they couldn't pick anything as a class, so I picked I'll oh. Be Home for Christmas. None of them had seen that one. Yeah. And I was like, all right, this is, you know, 1998. You know, this is a little beyond their time. <laughs> all of them are born in, like, 2008. Something. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, all right, here you go. This is one you guys will like. That's a little before your time, and so it was funny. The, a lot of them, we didn't get to finish the movie. I was going to say that's were, the tough part about class. Like you got to—that's like yeah. a two-day, maybe three. Yeah. Well, well, a lot of them were like, "Coach, I'm going to go home and finish it." <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, All right, "Cool, cool." I showed you guys a good one. So, you know, being that we're around the the holidays, we do have update on the podcast schedule here. One, we appreciate everyone who. Who listens, even though we've kind of been on an uneven release schedule in the last few weeks just because of, you know, shifting schedules by by me and Jody. But we are going to take the next week off for the Christmas break for us. 
So we won't have a week 16 NFL pod. Um, we'll be back week 17. Um, so we will take the next week off, you know, for the holidays, give myself and Jody a nice little break, but we'll have some surprises when we come back. So this will be our last episode for a couple weeks here. And then uh, we'll hop back on week 17, but we got to dive right in NFL news. So Joe, we we kind of been talking about the playoff push, right? Uh Uh-huh. So one of the things I like is that uh, this time of year, everyone's talking about their odds to make the playoffs, right? And we're trying to put in perspective. I mean, we're down to basically, yeah, you got teams clinching, teams with odds to clinch, and oh, are they going to make it in the next couple weeks? We're basically down to three weeks to go, right? We finished up almost all of week 15. We got the Seahawks and Eagles playing right now. Last time I yeah, checked, that's a 10-10. Yeah, 10-10 yeah. ball game in the third quarter. So we'll yeah. see how that one finishes out. But we're just going to take you through the AFC playoff picture, then the NFC playoff picture, and we'll talk about uh, you know who's already clinched a playoff spot, who has certain odds based on different media outlets, and uh, uh-huh. where we think they'll actually finish here. So starting in the AFC – Right now, the Ravens, they're 11-3 and after their big win against Jacksonville last night. They have separated themselves from the pack. They have clinched the playoffs. They're the first team in the AFC to clinch a playoff spot. They have a 76% chance at the one seed, according to the New York Times uh, playoff predictor model. So um, at this point, we're feeling pretty good about Baltimore as the one seed in the AFC. I, I think it would take a... A little bit of a collapse. Um, yeah, they'd have to lose out, I'm sure. I'm, well, they do so, play the Dolphins, so I think there's that. Okay, so if the Dolphins could, yeah, if the Dolphins, but the Dolphins play the Cowboys next week, then they have the Ravens. So the Dolphins would have to win out um, to get the one seed, basically, mm-hmm. and and then the Ravens, obviously, in that scenario, the Ravens would lose to the Dolphins because they are on their schedule. So if they both finished at thirteen and four but the Dolphins would have the head-to-head over the Ravens, then the Dolphins would get mm-hmm. it. There's also a weird scenario, though, if you're looking at, and since we're talking about them, the Dolphins are the two-seed right now at 10-4. and four. Yeah. There's also a weird scenario in which the Bills went out Could sneak in, right? and, would, and would win the division. Yeah. Not just sneak in the playoffs, win the division. They're only two games back of the Dolphins. If they went out, that would be a second win over the Dolphins, and then all they would need is the Dolphins to lose to the Cowboys or the Ravens, and the yeah, Bills would actually be the Bills would actually be division champs. So we kind of wrote them off a couple of weeks ago from even making the playoffs. Yeah. Now they could win the division. So we'll talk about the Bills here in a little bit. But the Dolphins, they're ten and four. They have not technically clinched a playoff spot yet. They have a ninety-nine percent chance to clinch. They would clinch this week with a win or some other teams losing. They have a 12% mm. chance at the one seed, according to the New York Times. Then you've got the Chiefs. They're 9-5. and five. Yeah. 99% Broncos chance. sneaking in on there. No chance. Yeah, yeah. No way be. they lose out and the Broncos win out. That would be tough. Um, yeah. They have a 99% chance at the playoffs and 11% chance at the one seed. Um, again, according to the New York Times playoff predictor um at the four seed things start getting interesting and spicy because the jaguars are now eight and six 
The Colts are eight and yeah. six, and the Texans are also eight and six. So all those teams are in play for the division. However, the Jaguars own tiebreakers against both those teams. And right now, the Jaguars are projected at a 74% chance to make the playoffs. They have now okay. essentially lost. They have a less than 1% chance at the one seed, according to the New York Times. So that loss last night really put them out of it. Simply because they would need the Ravens to lose out. They would need to win out. And then they'd both finish at 11-6. and six, And there'd have to be a weird thing where they'd finish at 11-6 with multiple teams and some I, yeah it's a very very like specific scenario that would have to happen <laughs> for them to get the one seed well, it's, it's not going to happen i had uh so in our emails we get the the one from like the nfl communications or whatever and it was like the scenario for i don't know who i think the the eagles to clinch or something the playoffs and it was like this or this or this. I was like, bro, there's like 20 different scenarios. It's not important to me. This is going to happen one way or another. Yeah. You yeah. know? It is funny when they go through all those scenarios. You're like, well, all yeah. this has happened. This, this, and this. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you move it down. You've got the Browns who are at nine and five. They got a big come from behind win against the Bears this week. They yeah, now have an 88% chance at the playoffs with Joe Flacco at the helm, and they still have a sneaky 1% chance at the one seed, and I think that's specifically because they still play the Ravens one more time, um, if, I'm, if I'm remembering right. Or, or they either, either that or they hold the tiebreaker over the Ravens already, and so if they could win out and then they'd need the Ravens to lose twice, they could, they could technically get that one seed. So slim shot at the one seed. More than likely, they're going to be the five seed. You've got the Bengals sitting at eight and six now with Jake Browning at quarterback. Interestingly enough, they of the team slotted six through nine actually have the worst percentage shot at getting into the playoffs right now, according to the New York Times and ESPN. So the New York Times gets them tough like the rest of the way, or yes, Mm. and I think because you know backup quarterback and whatnot, they've got a thirty-six percent chance at the playoffs. According to New York Times, 35% according to ESPN. Um, you've got below them the Colts, also 8 and 6. We've got that 8 and 6 logjam. Um, they have a 53% chance according to New York Times, 55% according to ESPN. You've got the Texans okay. at 8 and 6 once again. We talked about, you know, mm-hmm. these two teams, the Texans and Colts, are both in play for the division still, with the Jaguars at 8 and 6 as well. Um, the Texans. chance at the playoffs, according to New York Times, 53% according to ESPN. So ESPN and New York Times have the Colts and Texans flipped. Um, Then we've got the Bills, which is very interesting. The Bills are 8-6. and They're slotted in the 9 spot right now. But the New York Times and ESPN give both both give them a better than 64% shot at making the playoffs. Um, New York Times really likes them at 71%. ESPN likes them at 64%. Um, there's a distinct drop off after yeah. we get past the Bills. You see the Steelers sitting at seven and seven. They went from a team at seven and four that we thought was for sure in. They've lost three in a row. They now have a three percent shot according to the Times and a five percent shot according to ESPN. Um, and then last but not least, here we've got the Broncos, who believe it or not, um, they lost the tiebreaker with the Steelers right now, which is why they're in the eleven seed, but. They have much greater odds here, 21% according to the New York Times and ESPN. So yeah. those are your playoff percentages. 
you know, if you were going by the models of the New York Times right now, you would say Ravens, Dolphins, Chiefs, Jaguars, Browns, Bills, Texans, Colts. Um, first out, Colts would be the first out. So Bills, you know, your three wild cards would be Browns, Bills, Texans. If you're going by the New York Times model, if you were going by ESPN's model, you'd have the same top five Ravens, Dolphins, Chiefs, Jaguars, Browns. But your sixth team would be, um, once again, the Bills, actually, so same top six. But the seventh seed would be the Colts, and the first team out would be the Texans. So the uh, the, the two models you know, are very split on that last spot with the Colts and Texans, but it appears that they really – both models really like the Browns and the Bills to get in at this point. And so it'll be um, you know, Colts, Texans, or Bengals, maybe the outside shot of the Broncos. Um, getting that last spot. So, Joe, any thoughts here on, on the AFC after looking at uh, all of it? I will say the Ravens being 11-3, and three, I had some bread hit my line with having their 10.5 over their, their win game. So, that's cool. And then with the Bengals being 8-6, and six, still have a chance to make that playoffs. Uh, I had them and I believe the Niners making the Super Bowl. So, there's still a shot on that bet. But it's a long one. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, early in the year, I went with the All-Birds Super Bowl, if you remember, Ravens-Eagles. And so far through 15 weeks, um, both those teams are legit contenders. Both those teams could get the one seeds. Um, Doesn't feel like the Eagles are going to get it at this point. Kind of feels like the Niners got the upper hand there now. But um, at least be a top two seed from both teams and have a legit shot to get to the Super Bowl. So. I do feel good about that. Um, I liked the Ravens from preseason on, loved their draft, loved what they did in the offseason, hiring Todd Munkin as their offense coordinator. I've always believed in Lamar Jackson's talent at quarterback. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that the Ravens are where they are. Um, What is surprising me is just the fact that the Bengals and the Colts just keep – they keep hanging in there with backup quarterbacks. Jake Browning and Gardner Minshew have been impressive, man. Um, It's the year of the backup quarterback, but – those yeah, two have been really good. We know we got a really good run from Josh Dobbs um, there yeah. for a little bit, yeah. but um, to see them. It, it does feel like we've had some really good backup quarterback play, specifically from those Colts and Bengals. And then even the Browns with Joe Flacco. I know he threw three picks yesterday, but um, he's playing pretty well uh, considering he was on a couch four weeks ago. Yeah. So <laughs> um, we got to flip it over to the NFC. We mentioned that, um, the Eagles are playing right now. But if you look at the at it as things stand, you've got the 49ers at 11-3. and three. As the one seed, they've clinched the playoffs. They have an 82% chance at the one seed, according to the Times. Um, like I said, feels like they've really got it locked up. Um, the Eagles, they would really need a win tonight to give themselves a better shot. They're currently the two seed at 10-3. and three. They've clinched the uh-huh. playoffs. Um, they're, they have a 16% chance at that one seed, according to okay. the Times. You've got the Lions sitting at 10-4 and four in the three slot. They have a 99% chance at the playoffs. They haven't clinched quite yet, but they're close. And they've got a 1% sh- shot at that one seed. And then it gets interesting. At the four spot, you've got the Buccaneers. 79% chance to get to the playoffs now. They had one of the single highest ri- um, rises of this week. They went from under Wait, 50%. The team losing. I mean, well, just because they won and the Falcons lost, 
they went mm-hmm. from under 50% to near 80% um, in both models. Um, so they got 79% chance according to the times and a 72% shot according to ESPN. Both those models before this week had them under 50%. So they shot up near 30% in both models. Um, huge win for the Buccaneers on the road in Lambeau. And we'll talk about that more um, when we get to awards, I'm sure. But they're sitting at 7-7 seven and seven in the four spot right now. In the five spot, the Cowboys are coming off their loss. They're at 10-4. and four. Um, They've clinched the playoffs, which is the good news for them. But they now only have a 1% shot at that one number one seed, according to okay. the Times. Um, in the sixth slot now, you've got the Vikings at 7-7. Seven and seven. They have a 55% shot at the playoffs, according to the Times. 51% according to ESPN. The Rams come in next at 7-7. Seven and seven, 52%. Uh, chance according to the times 59% chance according to ESPN um, ESPN model really likes them right now the mm-hmm. Saints are in the eighth spot they are technically tied for the Buccaneers for the division but also tied with the Vikings and the Rams um, for those last two wild card spots but right now because of tiebreakers they would be on the outside looking in they okay. do however have close to no, 50% shot to get in too. yes we're going to talk about that game for sure 45% <laughs> shot for the Saints to get in, according to the Times, 49% according to ESPN. Then after that distinct drop-off here, you've got the Seahawks at 6-7. and seven. I'm sure the model is really de- variable, depending on whether they can beat the Eagles tonight or not. Um, uh-huh. Before that game, 33% chance, according to the Times, 32% according to ESPN. They're another team that's taken a really deep... I mean, they were 6-3, and three, and they yeah. may be 6-8 and eight after tonight, which we predicted that, though. When they lost to the Rams to get to six and four, we were really mm-hmm. we were really nervous because we saw what their schedule looked like coming up, and it was tough. After that, you've got the Falcons sitting at six and eight. They took one of the biggest hits of anyone this week. They now yeah. only have a seven percent shot at the playoffs, according to the Times. Twelve percent on ESPN. They lost to the Panthers to move to yeah. six and eight. That's crazy. Tough loss. Seven um, nine, right? It feels like. Feels like the Falcons would need to win out now to get in. They need to win their last three games, which feels very unlikely because um, they've just been so up and down all year. Desmond Ritter, yeah, not it. The Packers mm-hmm. are the last team on this list. They're six and eight. They still have a twenty-six percent shot, according to the Times, twenty-five percent on ESPN. Um, so if you went by the Times metrics, um, you would go Niners, Eagles, Lions, Buccaneers, Cowboys. Um, Vikings Rams would be your seven. So the seven is exactly as they're slotted now. If you went by ESPN's model, however, you would have the same first five, but Rams at the six seed, Vikings as the seven seed. So they would flip the Vikings and the Rams in those two models. So similar uh-huh. to uh, what you had going on in the AFC um, in terms of, you know, t- t- tight race between three teams, but both, both models would have the Saints as the first team out right now. So. With that being said, we talked about it a little bit. Saints-Rams on Thursday night football might be the mm-hmm. most important late-season Thursday night football game we've had ever. I mean, it's yeah. it's pretty close. I'd have to go back and look at some of the other games, but like it, it really is like a huge swing. Like The winner of that mm-hmm. game probably jumps up to better than 70% chance of getting in the playoffs, and the playoffs, loser yeah. may drop to like 30%. So it's a yeah. big, big game. 
Yeah, I think Johnny said he wanted to take a trip down there to watch that one. And I was like, I, me, I got work, so like I had no chance. But <sighs> he finally, he's finally going to go catch one. You know what I mean? Well, Hopefully. I'm bummed because uh, I'll be flying that night. I'll be traveling to go see my oh, parents really? for Christmas. Oh, and yeah, uh, yeah. so I'm going to try and get the game on the plane. I hope they have it. Because <laughs> um, that's a big game I mean, just as a football that, fan, oh, not even just no, as a Rams fan. Never mind. You need Prime. Yeah, it's on it's on Amazon Prime, which I don't know if their yeah. TVs there will be showing it. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. What if you just do it? On they your normally own? have the regular channels, yeah, but Prime, if you just, you? I do. So if you just have Wi-Fi oh, yeah, just, on the plane, yeah. you should be good. Get it on the laptop. You know, go to work. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I would say this week, you know, we saw statement wins from the Bengals, the Bills, mm. the Texans. The Colts, the Rams, and the Buccaneers. It, it was a really big weekend for playoff football. A lot of things yeah. swung. Um, I, I would say the Bengals getting a come from behind overtime win to keep themselves yep. in the playoffs was huge. The Bills absolutely ran the ball down the Cowboys' face yeah. in their huge win. Went crazy. The Texans won a game with Case Keenum at quarterback to keep themselves in it on the road. The Colts. Um, won a huge game against the Steelers. That was a an electric environment. The Rams, you know, they won a must-win game against the Commanders, put themselves in the seven speed and in the driver's seat for that seven seed moving forward. And then the Buccaneers, Baker Mayfield, perfect passer rating in Lambeau Field in December. What a win wow. for the Bucs, man. I mean, so did they come from jump. behind too a little bit, I think? Um, I think they were leading for most of the game. It was it was uh it was kind of back and forth for a while, and then they pulled away at the end. So big win uh-huh. for the Bucks. But um, looking forward to Week 16, we got some of the biggest games of the week, Joe. Which one of these games are you most looking forward to? Saints at Rams Thursday Night Football. Bengals at Steelers on Saturday. Browns mm-hmm. at Texans. Colts at Falcons. Lions at Vikings. And Jaguars at Broncos all on Sunday. Ooh. Okay, so my first one was going to be the Browns and Texans because I'm hoping CJ Stroud's back. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a huge, and then that's huge, gonna be huge like game. A, 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 like that's a, like a, a seeding game if they, both make, if they both make it in because yeah. if the Texans beat them, I think that would put the Texans in the driver's seat for the five seed now, if not winning that division, depending on what happens with yeah, the Jaguars true. at the Broncos. Yeah, that was the other one I was going to say once you mentioned that one. Get the Jaguars up in elevation, and you know we'll see what happens with the Broncos. Slow and steady train, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, um, I, I think the Browns at Texans is probably my favorite one out of those because if CJ Stroud's back, that's going to be a great game. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see. I think I'm with you. The number one game I'm looking forward to is Browns at Texans. Um, I'm really interested to see what that. Lions at Vikings game looks like um, just because both teams really need it. You know, I think technically the Vikings are still alive in the division. They would have to win out, but that includes two games against the Lions. Yeah. And then they would need the Lions to lose out. But again, it's like they got to win their two games against the Lions and then would need the Lions just to lose that other game. So it, it, you know, and I think the, uh, and then the other thing with the Vikings is they their last three games are all division games. They got the Lions, they got the Vikings, the Packers, and then the Vikings again. So oh. huge stretch for the Vikings. Um, you know, we'll see what they what they do. But 
We'll say yeah, the both game. I mean, whether it's home or away, it's in a dome. So, like you know, I think Jared Goff will be okay. <laughs> That's fair. That's super fair. <laughs> and then this week, what's also great is we get another Xmas Day slate, like we did last year. Um, yeah, on Raiders. Too, which is crazy. Yeah, Raiders at Chiefs in the morning. Giants at Eagles in the afternoon. So two nice, nice. Could be competitive divisional games. Could be not so good, div- you know, divisional games. And then at yeah. night, though, we get <sighs> Ravens, Forty <laughs> ers just evil. just like David versus, or I mean, uh, Godzilla versus Kong, like the one <laughs> seeds in both divisions, the the best record in the NFL on the line. Um, yeah. Can we get much better than that on in Christmas Day matchup in the Bay? On Christmas night, I mean, God, that's going to be a great game. Yeah, but I mean, I could hear it already, bro. Excuses, you know, playing the game at 5 o'clock out here. It's going to be 8 their time, technically. You know, they're going to be tired by that fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right, Joe. So uh, we've kind of looked at this week. We've looked at the next week. We got to look back on this week. Fantasy playoffs week one for a lot of people, including you and I. Where are we at? All right. So this is the first time we've had this, right? So we got the our bench and our starters all combined total score. We we done thrown out the bench out the window, and now it's just all starters. So currently I had Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown playing. I got Josh Jacobs injured, didn't play. Tyreek Hill injured, didn't play. Jackson Smith and Jacob is playing right now. My guy Zach Wilson, before he got hurt, got me negative 0.96, so that's lovely. Brees Hall apparently only got 2.8 in that game as well, so that's cool. But you flip it on the script, my guy Christian McCaffrey, three tutties, 41.7. Cooper Ooh. Cup, 25.1. Jameer Gibbs went crazy, 24.8. And for your team, we got... You got Mechie. He's a solid one point whatever every week. So he got 1.1. You got Josh Allen got you a 16.16. Let's see. Patty Mahomes, 15.7. Justin Jefferson, 15.4. And you got Bijan with only 0.4. Oh, Bijan, no showing. was tough. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bad, bad game. So our starters, it's crazy. So me still having two dudes playing, or three technically, I guess, with JSN. I had 121.6 with my starters between, like, six people, which is crazy. You got 72.5. All your dudes, only two of them were in the teens. Everyone else was below 10. Our reserves, mine currently have 8.64 with whatever JSN adds to that. And your reserves got you 46.16. So currently, I already won. I got 130.2. You have 118. So I, I take the the week one, which is, you know, that's a nice oh. leg up. We got two more weeks of this, but it could end next week maybe. And then, so, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, if I get my dudes back, bro, I, I don't know. It might, it might be tough. You need you need Bijan to look like week, like, six through eight Bijan. And outside of that, you need Saquon to do something, too. He only got a 5.7, like. Well, Uphill battle. I hope we win next week to extend the series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, it'll be fun if we if we do go back and back, and then whoever takes yeah. the last one. 
Um, I will say this, though. Uh, in my other two fantasy leagues that I currently yeah. am in, um, I'm going to win both. There you go. Uh, my, team's, my team's performed well. We continue. Yeah, um, so I'll I'll be facing in the one in the league I'm in at work. I'll be in the championship game next week. Oh, right. That was a fourteen, fourteen playoff. Okay. Um, okay. And then the other league, the money league I'm in with all my friends from college, sixteen playoff. I was the yeah. sixth seed, so automatically I play the top seed. Play everyone. I I got to play the top seed next week, so I beat the three seed. Handily, yeah. right? I'm winning one forty-seven to eighty-five, and I've Ooh. still got Jalen Hurts playing tonight. Yeah, so I'm I'm killing it there. Um, shout out um, to my guy, the uh, Raiders running back, um, Zaire White. My God, Zamir White, bro. Yeah, he uh, he was in for the injured Josh Jacobs and went crazy. So I picked him up last minute because uh, I got Alexander Madison in that league, and he was out. Yeah. Last minute, yeah. So I picked up Zamir White literally an hour before kickoff for the Raiders Chargers game Thursday oh. night. Guy went crazy, bro. Had almost twenty <laughs> points. Um, Jordan Addison had almost a thirty piece for me. Um, Najoku and T Higgins both went crazy. They went crazy, yeah. I and then when you're like, "Who do I start?" I was like, "I think T Higgins going crazy." And then yeah, it was Lamar great. Got hurt a little bit. So that definitely what, elevated. What's crazy is too. George Kittle, Drake London, and Bijan combined for less than 12 points, those three players who are yeah, normally three crazy. of my better guys. So, no, I had a good week. Uh, I'm going to have to face the one seed next week who's only lost one time yeah. all year. Ooh. So we're going to have to topple a, uh, a giant, you know. So we'll be all right. <laughs> so uh, um, I guess that's our fantasy check-in. Good luck to all the listeners who are in the fantasy playoffs. We hope your teams are doing well. And yeah. – uh, yeah, I know I'm on the struggle bus. We're moving on to our segment of the week here. We're calling this the toxic trait, Super Bowl contenders edition. So, you know, for any of you who have no idea what that means, right? If you're not on social media or, I don't know, you don't watch bad TV or whatever, yeah. you know, people people refer to their toxic trait and usually what they mean is like, what's the annoying thing about you in a relationship, right? What's yeah. the thing that you do that annoys other people? Um, sometimes it is actually toxic, which you could you know, maybe <laughs> fix. But sometimes it's just a little annoyance, right? And uh, so we're looking at eight Super Bowl contenders today. Um, four each, you know, four for me, four for Joe. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to point out their toxic trait. In other words, the thing that may keep them from actually winning the Super Bowl. All right. So, um, Joe, I think we'll let you start. Let and you've got the one off. seed in the NFC, the 49ers. Yeah. What's their toxic trait, Joe? So I had like multiple things cross my mind, but the one I'm going to roll with is their health. We saw it last year. We even saw a little bit this year. They lost three straight earlier in the year when they didn't have Debo and Trent Williams. Like just yesterday, this dude... I keep on to call him, I think, Glock Purdy. I think that's, like, his name on Twitter or something. Or, <laughs> like, a burner Purdy. on Twitter. Yeah, uh. and so, so, <laughs> but Brock Purdy, he went down for a little bit yesterday. They threw in Sam Darnold. Did not look the same on that team with the backup. Uh, let's see, what else? That being said, like, the, the things keeping them out of this is themselves. We saw it last year when they lost to the Eagles with with. No quarterback. They had to throw in whoever they wanted to at one point, you know. 
So I think for the Niners, it's just being healthy late in the year. Because we saw them yesterday go crazy. Saw them do it the last two weeks as well. And then prior to that, when they didn't have Debo and the squad rolling, it was like they took three straight L's, and it wasn't the prettiest thing. Yeah. And people the were 49ers, like, at them like down, you know? The 49ers are like that, the you know, that friend that you have, and she's like with that guy where they're on again, off again. And like for yeah, three yeah. months, you're like, man, he's finally got it together. And then he just like quits his job or he gets fired or like something crazy goes out down and then he like cheats on her and it just like instantly like rolls downhill yeah, real bad and, and they're broken up and she's crying and you're like what happened like and then like three months later they're back together again and it's all good and it's bliss <laughs> for like another six months and then they're going to be broken up it that's that's what the niners are like they get you really excited they're like man yeah they're healthy and when they're healthy no one's better and oh my gosh this team could win it all but then there's always that like glimmer of like, but are they gonna stay healthy? Like, can you really trust yeah. them? Or are they gonna exactly. lose their job again? Like, are they gonna get fired again and do something stupid? You know? Yeah. Um so on the flip side, I've got the one seed in the AFC, the Ravens. And uh they're a Super Bowl contender, but their rush defense is not great. They've been giving up 4.3 yards per carry, which is 21st in the league. Um, mm-hmm. they've had so many leads though, that a lot of teams haven't had the opportunity to run the ball so much that a lot of teams have had to throw it. You can see that in the numbers, um, their defense is tops in the league in terms of the amount of average pass attempts they face in a game. So most teams are having to throw against them. However, oh. um, teams that are smart and could just get a, a lead early, you're able to run the ball in this Ravens defense. They're giving up yeah. 4.3 yards a pop. So that could be the thing that keeps them from ultimately winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean that we've seen it. Not never mind. I, we didn't see it with them. I don't think, at least from what I know. But I do know that they they've been p- playing close in a lot of games that we didn't expect. Like I think one of the games they lost was the Colts, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, or if it was really close or something. Like mm-hmm. that's a team that's going to run the ball for sure. And it's just they like, they love to give up a lead late too. They do love yeah. to do that. So, yeah, it's definitely interesting watching that all pan out. But the next thing we're taking a look at for me is going to be the Dolphins. For me, I went with their defense. Now, I know we talked about them improving on defense, but from what I've seen, they were so their defense is ranked top 10 in yards allowed per game. However, they allow hella points, too, on the flip side. They've allowed 35 touchdowns this year, which keeps them at, at like, Tied for top 10 in allowed touchdowns, leaving them behind the where where we we got Panthers, Eagles, Bears, Lions, Cardinals, Giants, Seahawks, Chargers, and Commanders, which is tough because a lot of those teams aren't even close to the playoffs. But then you got like the Eagles and Lions in there and the Seahawks, I guess, who might lose their their chance at the playoffs this week. So it's like. On one hand, they could score hella points. On the other hand, they also let up a lot of touchdowns. And true, it, they're, they're they're the team, right, to to score a lot of points. But you can't you can't be going in shootouts every week. You got to be able to stop them on DV. That's the classic defense wins championships. You know what I mean? So I think that Buffalo that Buffalo game in Week 18 is going to tell us a lot about the Dolphins. Oh, for sure. Um, because and really the next three weeks they get the Cowboys, Ravens, Bills. Yeah. That's so if you if you're a contender, if you really are that team and your defense is good enough, 
you go at least two and one in those three games. Yeah. And you make sure that one of the games you win is that Bills game to so that Bills. you win the division. Yeah. You know, if they lose this division when they've been leading it far and away, it felt like for the whole year, if they lose this division late, I'm going to be really side-eyeing them as a true contender. Um, Not just that, like they need that home field. Like yeah. having the sun just drill the other team is a huge yep. advantage all, every every week. Especially in January. You don't want Tua yeah. going on the road in the snow in January. They'd rather play a home, yeah. at least one home game. <laughs> all right, so I've got the Eagles here. And the Eagles are a Super Bowl contender, but their pass defense is atrocious this year. Um, they're giving oh. up 26 pass. Um, they're giving up tw- uh, two, 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 265 passing yards per game, which is 29th in the league. They're also giving oh. up a league worst 48% third down conversions, which oftentimes oh. is a throw. And yeah. uh, they're just in the back end of their defense. They just have not been good. Many people have pointed this out. I'm not the first person yeah, to say this. Um, yeah. There's a reason why they made a, sa- a, a trade for a safety in the middle of the year. Um, with the Titans, you know, so it's just KB. They're just not great on the back end. They haven't really been healthy. Um, but it, even with that big play, Slay and um, and their other guy, Bradbury, like those guys, they haven't played great on the on the back end this year. They've kind of taken uh-huh. a dip from where they were last year at the Super Bowl. So you just can't really trust them, and their pass rush is not hitting the way it was. I know a lot of people kind of hated on Jonathan Gannon's philosophy last year, but the way that they're playing defensively this year makes you wonder if maybe he was onto something. So <laughs> um, yeah, the Eagles, the thing that will keep them from winning the Super Bowl is that pass defense and, and giving yeah. up so many conversions on third down, almost near 50%. That's brutal. Yeah. Not just that though. They're also just similar to the Ravens. They're always in close games week in week out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's probably another part of the reason. And I, I think we saw a little bit of that two weeks ago. I don't remember who they played, but I remember they were getting exposed deep for sure. Let's see. Looking ahead, though, the next team I got is going to be the Chiefs. And for them, this one's easy. We I talked about one dude week in and week out almost every week in the Boo Boo Evans Award. <laughs> Simply just the receivers. Yeah. They, get too, they got too many drop balls. They... They lead the league as of yesterday in drop balls as a team. Ugh. They were first in that with 34. And Kadarius Tony did it again. Yeah. He had another I, critical I, I, drop on a third down that turned into a pick. I, dude, I'm telling you, how is this guy still on their team? How is he still on their team? He I, makes a mistake. They paid that him, costs I guess. I don't know. They every brought him single in week. The year. <laughs> I, 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 honestly, they should cut him. I'm I, If I was a Chiefs fan, I think I would be so done with Kadarius Tony. I would be like, yeah. no, why is he out there? If I was Mahomes, I would not trust throwing, throwing that guy the ball. If he's open, like that's the thing, bro. It's a good look. He could make the ball, but if he can't catch it, he, there's a reason they pay Patty Mahomes the big bucks and not Kadarius Tony. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, so that being said, the teams that follow them in the top five are going to be the Browns. With 32, the Lions with 31, Cowboys with 30, which shocked me, and then the Rams at 29. Hmm. Hmm. Um. Yeah. I. I mean, I've. The only thing that gives me a little bit of hope, and and we also got the news today, Sky Moore's out for the rest of the year, but Ooh. Rashi Rice, 
he's is the only guy that gives me a little bit of hope that he's kind of turning into a, a true one for them. So we'll see. Um, flipping it back over, I've got the Lions here. Um, and the Lions are a Super Bowl contender, but their red zone defense is not very good. They, um, yeah. you know, we've heard a lot about improvements on them on defense for them this year compared to what they were last year, and that is true. They're a lot better defense um, between yeah. the 20s. However, when teams get in the red zone on them, they're allowing 68% touchdowns, which is 28th in the league this year. It's almost, you know, um, bottom four. So that's also why they've been the 23rd in the league in scoring defense, giving up almost 24 points a game. Because when teams get in the red zone, they pretty much all, you know, 70% of the time they convert it into a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. So you're playing pretty good defense, but you've given up the 23rd, you know, most points. That's not great. So I think uh, I think the Lions know that they need to keep teams from getting to the red zone, and they got to improve the red zone defense when teams get there, or else it's going to be a quick out in the postseason for them. Yeah, I will say too. I feel like they also have an issue with just like late hits in general, or like unnecessary flags. You know, like like little mental mistake flags that keep the the, the offense on the t- on the field. The Lions and the Ravens both have a problem with penalties. I was I was noticing. A lot of penalties on them. Uh-huh. Yeah, so let's see. Last team I'm looking at today is gonna be the Cowboys, which is one I, I got I don't know. Cowboys are they got they got some some big games ahead of them. Hopefully they figure it out because they always look pretty, but then you know everything starts falling apart. All all the flaws come out, you know, you see all the things that people warned you about that you're like, nah, nah, like that's not gonna happen. Like they're new. They're they're a different person now. But nope, some things just never change, you know. So for me, with them, I have okay. I I wrote this down initially, considering I forgot they beat the Eagles. But it said still have yet to beat a team over five hundred. And then I laugh, having left that there. That's a false statement. <laughs> but uh, let's see. My issue with them was I didn't even write it down. That's crazy. Um. Oh, oh, oh! It was their running. It was their rushing. They, I thought they were terrible at rushing. I think what it comes down to is I don't think Tony Pollard is a true one for a running mm. back, mm. and that's what it came down to. Because I was gonna say they didn't have many games over 100 yards, which was a lie. They actually do have plenty, but they also mollywop every team that they really played. So it's kind of skewed in my eyes. But Tony Pollard in all their games has never been. He's only rushed one time over 100 yards this year. And so when they played the Niners, he had 29 of their 57. When they played the Eagles, he had 51 of their 73. That was the the game they lost, the first one. Let's see, the Bills, he had 52 of their 89. When they played the Seahawks, he had 68 of their 136. When they played the Chargers, he only had 30 of their 96, with Dak being their leading rusher that game with 40. And then... I guess I didn't write them down for the Dolphins. Oh, no, that's who they play next. They got the Dolphins, Lions, and Commanders. So we'll see what happens with those games. Because besides the Commanders, the other two are potential uh, contenders as well that we talked about. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think they need to improve their run game, and they can't just rely on Dak to sling the ball week in and week out. Well, um, the thing I'll say is this. I think the biggest 
thing that makes me nervous if you're a Cowboys fan. They play really well at home, but their big games on the road this year, at the Eagles, at the Bills, at the 49ers. Destroyed. All of them. 30 now, they played, competitively. they played competitively at Philly, but they also mm-hmm. made a lot of mistakes that lost them that game. Yeah. And so Especially I would worry if you're the five C and you don't get a home playoff game, I would be worried. Even in round one, I know you're going to go get to play the yeah. NFC South. And they did it last year and were competent and won that game. And they may do the same thing. And it, it might be the exact same matchup, you know, Dallas at Tampa. And yeah. they may win that game. But then if it round two, if it's at Philly, at San Francisco, mm-hmm. at, San Fran. yeah. at Detroit, right? If it's at any of those, I don't know if, if I feel Detroit, it's good. I think they're lucky. But if they don't, it's... well, it'll it'll likely be Team at Philly or at San Francisco. Yeah, um, no doubt. Again, and if the thing that I would say is is just Mike McCarthy in those big games, especially on the road, has not been great. Like his game plan against San Francisco and against Buffalo, it didn't feel very good. Uh, I, I was yeah. not impressed with what they've done. So having to play on the road in the playoffs is going to be tough for them. I'm just going to tell you, it's going to be a tough. We'll say tough that's even, that kind of goes back to his time in green Bay. Like yep. they always had home games and even then they couldn't pull those ones out really, yep. you know? So yep. it's kind of, um, like last but not league. least here, we've got the Browns um, and the Browns, they could be a Super Bowl contender, but turnovers kill them. Um, yeah. Right now, they rank dead last in giveaways Ooh. per game at over two. They're averaging over two giveaways per game, um, including interceptions thrown on 3.4% of their total dropbacks. So every you know 100 dropbacks, they're throwing three picks. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, over three picks, and then you know they're they're uh, they're fumbling. They have eight fumbles on the season as well, so almost um, a fumble every other game. Um, yeah. You know, last week Joe Flacco threw three picks in that in that win over the Bears, but that's almost what cost them that game. So just something to keep an eye on. They're they're terrible offensively at just giving the ball away. You know, every game they average basically either two picks or a pick and a fumble in every game this year. Um, a little more so than that. So. That's something to keep an eye on. That's something that could kill you in the playoffs. You have, I mean, you got to think if you had two turnovers in a playoff game and you don't get one going back the other way, that that's oh. pretty much a death sentence. So they have yeah. to figure that out. They got to stop turning the ball over. Um, Joe Flacco's played well, but he did throw three picks. So that's a big deal for them. And uh, they got to figure out how to take care of that football if they're going to win a playoff game. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen, I mean, like I, I talked about it. When Joe Flacco played the Rams, I was like, "Yeah, he's got a nice ball, but you know, you go three in one game, like you said, dude, that's a tough, tough feat in the, especially in the playoffs. You can't come back from that. That's just too, too brutal of a deficit. Whether it's for the turnovers or like even just having like a three and out on one drive, that alone could kill you. You know, hmm. if you can't move the ball and you got the turnovers, it's just like it's not, it's not meant to be that game. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, so now that we've poked holes in every contender and made you feel like your team won't win the Super Bowl, um, <laughs> single, you know, simultaneously upset every fan base, every I mean, fan base. If, if you know, you can, if if you know your team like that, you might have already low key seen it. You're yeah, just, you might have already known it. In the, in the Be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. It's time to move on to award season here. 
All right, and uh, we're starting with our favorite award every week. That's the Tuqua Gamer of the Gamer of the Week Award. And uh, Jody, I'll let you go first on this one. Oh, I, I I mentioned this briefly when I talked about the fantasy team. I'm going the greatest white running back of all time, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, we got <laughs> we got the guy. 18 carries, 115 yards, one touchdown, five receptions, 72 yards, two receiving touchdowns. And, you know, I've talked about it with my O-lineman. This guy was shut down seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. They didn't need him. They said, yo, let's get in. Let's get in Mitchell, another homie. Let them get some reps out here. <laughs> so, yeah, Christian McCaffrey, great white hope. You know, he just balls every week. He's a, so, he's a monster. So you calling him that um, reminded me of something funny I saw on Twitter this weekend and today. Um, was did it you Will see Combin? what Rashard Mendenhall did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said he was tired of all these white, these white announcers <laughs> commenting on football like they're good at it. And he said, oh, replace the... Okay, I didn't yeah, know he that's said, what was going on. I saw the response to just him saying bas- Pro Bowl needs to be white for black. So he wild. said that basically he's tired of mostly white Romo, commentators, Aikman, yeah. which is, which is true, sense. by the way. It is true. It's mostly white but commentators. RG3 is the only dude I could think of. Like, I mean, yeah, that did, he just, it was oh, just Rich, funny Richard because Sherman, he's another clearly, one. clearly something was said in a game that he was yeah, just upset yeah. about. And he basically said they weren't even good at football and we should just do instead of the pro bowl, replace pro bowl with the all white versus the all black team. And yeah. the responses yeah. have been hilarious, but my favorite one, I did see Will Compton's. His was pretty funny. Uh-huh. Um, my favorite one was uh was oh man I'm forgetting this guy's name but he's he has a tick it's a, it was a TikTok but it showed up on Twitter uh-huh. and he was yeah, basically yeah, like he goes y'all are sleeping on the white team I'm just telling you <laughs> he's like they got Josh <laughs> Allen AKA White Cam Newton with better throwing mechanics <laughs> yeah <laughs> he said he said Christian McCaffrey the great white hope the greatest running back yeah. in the NFL right now then you got Travis Kelsey Cooper Cup yeah they got all Adam Thielen and, and he's just going through. It was like we got all the tight ends. You could pick whoever you want. <laughs> yeah, and then the best part though was both both Compton and this dude when they get to the DBs. He's like, "Well, we know where they're going to be. Sorry though, the DBs, yeah, right? Yeah. There are no DBs." And Compton, Will Compton's like, he's "They'll like, use Christian McCaffrey, McCaffrey both ways. He'll play safety. Here, yeah. He's going to have to come over here and play safety. We got Harrison Smith at yeah. the other spot. We'll go with uh, the kid they drafted out of Iowa. And honestly, you know what? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. might have to pull Lost up the other whatever. kid from Iowa right now." And have him yeah, play up with the rolling. big boys to help mm-hmm. us out. Yeah. Oh, I was dying, man. I was like, man. Bring no, what, back Jason. What, okay, how do you feel about Max Crosby? Which team is he on? Because Compton you, goes, if they use the word, he was like, hey, I, I mean, they're probably on the other team, you know? And so my brother was like, so which team is Max Crosby on? Which side is he throwing? I was like, he's a ref, bro. He gets to wear both colors. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's that pretty. That whole thing, though, I thought was. Pretty pretty yeah. funny, man. Um, anyway, my uh, my gamer of the week. I've got Dalton Schultz. All right. Now, his stat line isn't anything crazy. It four catches, fifty eight uh. yards. Good week for a tight end. You know, not great. But he made an unbelievable play to save Case Keenum in the red zone. So just to set the stage, there's about four minutes left. The uh, the Titan the Texans are down seventeen to nine or sixteen yeah. to nine. With like I said, about four minutes to go, they're at about the twenty yard line, and Case Keenum just throws a prayer up. I mean, oh. the middle of the field goes late across <laughs> his body into the middle of the field, 
all three things that are just cardinal sins. You don't do this. Yeah. And it's clearly going to be picked by a Tennessee defender until all of a sudden Dalton Schultz just comes in and just like takes it away from him. And instead of an interception that likely would have ended the game and probably would have taken the Texans out of the playoffs, Dalton Schultz comes in and catches it. Now they're inside the five. They score the game-tying touchdown. They go to overtime, win the game eventually in overtime. And now they're in the driver's seat to get a playoff spot. So the definition of a gamer is being your best when it's required. And Dalton Schultz did exactly that on that play. Huge play, probably the biggest play of the Texans' season so far to keep them in it. Now they get Stroud back. They're in the driver's seat for a playoff spot. Now they can go do it. They can go win out and get in the playoffs. Maybe even win this division because of what Dalton Schultz did there at the five-yard line. Huge play. That's clutch. Clutch moments, bro. Clutch players make clutch moments in clutch games or something. I don't know. I don't know if that's the – I know know it's the big-time players. Big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games. I know it's that one, but I I think there's one for clutch. I don't know. Maybe I'm just making something up. But (laughs) this leads us to my dog of the week. So this week, similar similar to Dalton Schultz in a way, I got Sam Laporta. Stat line wasn't all too crazy, but he he basically went five for five. His his quote unquote drop was a target thrown into the dirt right in front of his feet, and he got fifty six yards, three touchdowns, and you know same thing. He was finding them in the in the end zone. This dude had a nice ball, kind of low thrown, caught it like down on his knees, got the other one just wide open, like high pointed it, you know. And the other one he had to hit a nice move. He he hit a little jump cut and then jumped over the dude to dive into the end zone for that other tutty. So he was just having a field day out there versus the Broncos. As most tight ends do if most people didn't know that. The the tight end play versus the Broncos always goes crazy. So Sam Laporta this week for me. For my dog of the week. <laughs> All right, we got the minor setback for the major comeback. We got the uh, the Cowboys. They got smoked on the road against the Bills, thirty-one to ten. They have a great chance to rebound this week against Miami on the road once again. Um, mm. That's going to be a huge game. Two teams with something to prove, right? And and mm-hmm. I think the winner of that game, people will probably take more seriously, and the loser, people are going to say, mm, I don't know. So um, last week we talked about the Lions with a big chance to bounce back at home, and they were able to do it. If the Cowboys are serious, this is their week to do it against the Dolphins on the road. Huge game for them. And we'll see if they can make it a minor setback with a major comeback. Good laugh if um, somehow that was a tie. It feels like it could be. <laughs> um, we got the No Cap Hats Off Award this week. Um, I don't know if you caught this, but it was Saturday football. Yeah. The Bengals are playing good. the Vikings. Yep. Bengals are at home. They're losing. They're down like 17-0 early in the game. They're sacking Nick Mullins, right? And Nick Mullins is almost on the ground, and he kind of just like flings the ball forward trying to throw it away. But because he's almost on the ground, he sort of like doesn't really throw the ball anywhere. It just kind of pops out of his hands. Straight line, yeah. And B.J. Hill, who's actually making the sack and is on the ground, just feels the ball like pop onto his chest and he catches an interception from the ground. It's one of the weirdest interceptions I think I've ever seen. Um, I couldn't believe it. I didn't even know that that was, I didn't even think it was a real (laughs) thing until I like had to see the replay like three times before I believed that's what actually happened. So definitely a no cap hats off play of the week there. And it 
was huge. Helped the Bengals come back and win in overtime. Yeah, definitely. No, I, and I think on that play too, they brought in Gene Serator. Uh huh. And it was like, is this a fumble? They're like, nah, that's a pick. Like it never touched the ground. Like his arm was in a forward motion, so it can't be a fumble. But since he <laughs> caught it, like it's a it's an interception, and it was wild, just wild to see. Big play. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something you just can't believe would ever happen. But this leads us to the Strahan Munoz Big Fellow Award. You know we love them big fellows down in the trenches. Big fellow. Me, I got I went with uh Robert Jones on the Dolphins. So this week he he's probably the best run blocking dude I've seen, honestly, or paid attention to. He's the right guard for them. And he he's he has good seals, so like they they do they do a lot of weird stuff with the O line, which is kind of crazy. They pull a lot. They like I feel like similar to how they always got like motions going on in the backfield. They kind of do the same up front with like misdirection on the line. So yeah, he would he's good at seals on like getting up and like just stopping right there, holding the dude back. Let's see, we got oh he I think he allowed three tackles, which is only downfall, but like. Two of them were the dude passes them and they they catch up and make the tackle, so it wasn't like anything too bad. And then I said he keeps his hands loose. What I'm trying to think, what I meant by that, I think it was on pass pro. He's good at finding like help. So like if the dude's on the tackle, he'll go help him out, get a little like punch with his offhand. And then as always, the 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 most linemen always have good vision on pass pro, which is kind of with him keeping his hands loose as well. So yeah, Robert Jones was balling this week. And especially in that run game. Love it. Love it. Man, I love that we feature offensive linemen every week because I guarantee you half of our – actually, maybe all of our listeners don't even know who Robert Jones is, and now they do. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for Third year in the league. I, I get lucky to, to check out where, where their age is and how long they've been in the league every now and again. Because, like, I mean, you could know the ones in the Pro Bowl, but that's about, like, what, five out of how many, you know what I mean? Yeah, especially yeah. like right now with all the injuries, there are a lot more rotating well. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So on the defensive side, the Strahan side of this thing, we've got the uh, the the man, the myth, the legend out there in Houston, Jonathan <laughs> Grenard. This is his second time getting the award this year. He's having a career Ooh. year. Not even close, man. He's he's been really balling. Um, he's quickly become one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. And if you don't know Jonathan Grenard. Look this man up because he's having a year. All right. He had six tackles, one TFL, two and a half sacks, and three QB hits in a must win overtime game against the Titans. Um, uh-huh. He and Will, Will Anderson have become like one of the best pass rush duos in the league right now. And when they heat up, it's basically impossible for other offenses to do anything against them. Um, yeah. It, it's just. So impressive how D'Amico Ryans has brought the attitude he had in San Francisco with all those pass rushers and just, just um, we're going to eat you up front all day long. He's brought it to yeah. Houston so quick, right, by yeah. drafting dudes, developing dudes who are already there, whatever. But Jonathan Grenard is a really good football player right now. I mean, he's for sure having his best year of his career. Yeah, no, the the – I, yeah, I, I love watching that front line. I think I watched uh, one of their games like three weeks ago, watching the the uh, my Munoz winner, and just watching the flip side is just crazy how they work because they're just constantly like flowing in the ball, doing great things. Mm-hmm. But 
balling our big fellow award. The people, at least for me, the, the ones that are protecting, I, we got the Who's Cooking Award, whether good or bad. You know, great meal, you know, something you only want to touch or look at. Maybe maybe a little something was off, nothing too crazy. Plating looked bad. They didn't know how to put on the little accent on top. But for me this week, I'm rolling with Trevor Simeon. So he, he came in after our guy, Zach Wilson, got hurt. And just, you know, it shows you that maybe Zach Wilson truly is the only one that could possibly do something for that franchise. Because our guy went 14 for 26, 110 e. yards, and two interceptions. E. Yeah, it just wasn't the prettiest thing out there. Well, oh, Jets, man, they're, they're on the lookout until Aaron Rodgers pulls back up. Yeah, he was not cooking anything special there. Mm. However, on the flip side, he probably got yeah. ran out the building. We got uh, Baker Mayfield. Went yeah. 22 for 28, 381 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, perfect 158.3 passer rating to win the game in Lambeau in December and a must win for the Bucks. That was a huge game mm-hmm. for them, huge game for him, um, a game they desperately needed to keep themselves atop the NFC South. And like I said, they went from a team that was like 30-something percent chance to make the playoffs before that game to winning that game yeah. in Lambeau. Now they're at almost an 80% shot to make the playoffs, depending on the models you're looking at. And uh, Baker Mayfield, I mean, you know, I can't say enough about that guy. I really have <laughs> always liked him. Um, always thought that he could be a competitive quarterback in the NFL. And I know he's had ups and downs, and his career has not been great. Um, but, man, there's been moments this year that make me go like, dude, that guy, you can win with that guy. And – uh he, you know, this week in Lambeau was another one of those moments. So really happy for Baker. Glad he was able to get that done. And uh, the Bucks look good. Huge win. I got a question for you. If you're the Bucks, and not only do you make the playoffs with Baker this year, would you bring him back? Or are you still trying to find someone newer? Well, or maybe I mean, try to get someone in like, it, the draft. It, it probably depends on the direction of the team because it feels like the team around Baker is getting older. Right. Yeah. So you're like, you're talking about like Mike Evans. Everybody yeah. knows like this That's, might, this is probably his last year in Tampa. Last year, yeah. Devin White was a healthy scratch in Ooh. the game this weekend. So that's not, that's interesting. That says a lot. That doesn't feel like he's going to be back. Levante David is a, an old vet, been there forever. Um, so a lot of the pieces from that Super Bowl team are slowly moving and away. You're out. in Chris, yeah. you know, you've got Chris Godwin in his prime you know, that you probably want to take advantage of. So I don't know. I think it, I I don't know. It probably really depends on how the season finishes and what the rest of their team looks like. I think Baker's proven that, you know, you can, you can win and get to the playoffs with him. He did that in, in Cleveland. So he's shown that this is, this would be the second time he's able to do that with the team. You know, they may press the full reset, kind of blow up their entire team, draft a quarterback and go real young and slow. try and do that. I don't know. I mean, maybe break Baker, they keep Baker on as the bridge to that to that young quarterback and draft one that way. Yeah. I just don't know if if they're in a position from a team management standpoint to say Baker's our guy for the next five years. You know, I, I just don't know if yeah, that's what I they'll understand. do. So um but I do think he's shown enough this year that Feels like he should be someone starter next year, whether it's in yeah. Tampa or somewhere else. The Jets um, until Aaron Rodgers gets back. <laughs> I'm sure the Jets would feel a lot better if it, if he was their guy all year instead of 
you know, yeah. Zach Wilson, I'm just saying, or Trevor Simeon or Tim Boyle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just the revolving door quarterbacks out there. Mm-hmm. So, Speaking of, you know, those lists of Jets quarterbacks, we got our Boo Boo Evans Award of, you know, <laughs> just the guy that just kind of didn't perform as you expected or, you know, let things fall short in the game. And I kind of touched on this earlier with your with your fantasy team. I, I got Bijan this week. His stats for the game was seven carries, 11 yards, one reception for three yards, and he had a fumble too. So it's just like couldn't couldn't run the ball nowhere. And he had a fumble on one of his runs. And then, oh, and with that being said, he had that short leash, bro. As soon as he had that fumble, my dude was stuck at wideout and never touched the ball again. Tough. <laughs> and then the only other dude I was looking at for this was Derrick Henry. I think he had, like, 19 carries for, like, 13 yards or something. Kind of tough, too. My dude couldn't get his leg moving either. Yeah, Bijan. Tough week for Bijan. Um, <laughs> our last award of the week, the Standing on Business Award. We got the San mm-hmm. Francisco 49ers this week. They're 13.5-point favorites at home against the Cardinals. They won 45-29 to cover the large spread. And, of course, stand on business. All right, uh, 49ers. Wow. I love them. They've been standing on business a lot this year. So, good yeah, for them. definitely. So, this leads us to our turnover on downs. Our first down, you got your trend that you've seen. Looks like we got a, a Thursday night play, so that'll be fun. See what you got Let's for us. Go. Let's get to the chalkboard here, shall we? All right, we'll pull it up. Go live. Yes, sir. Okay, so yes, we're looking at the um, Chargers-Raiders game from Thursday night football, right? There's been this trend in the league. We've been doing, remember, we've been talking about motions from in to out to get yeah. received vertical well teams also love to motion from out to in to run the screen and get players going vertical in towards the ball catch and get up the field right so the design oh. of this play they've got they go empty quads austin eckler all the way out at the far receiver yeah, right he's far they're gonna motion him remember. into the bunch and make it a bunch quads right and then throw the screen to him and the design of the play is now that outside receiver blocks out in the corner. Uh-huh. We're going to crack down on the linebacker with the inside slot. And the furthest inside slot is going to loop around, kind of a pin-pull look with those two receivers, and block the man on. And really what they want to uh-huh. create is this lane right between those two receivers. So if you're watching on the YouTube, you can see what I'm saying. But essentially, you know, you've got numbers. You want to say you've got four on three in the box, and then you're creating There's a one-on-one at the second level. Miss. Say that again? Oh, uh, so and then you hope that he can make one person miss and yeah. run up the field. You're creating a one-on-one with a safety that's 15 yards deep, essentially, right? So you're yeah. saying, hey, that guy's got to be really good to come make this play. <laughs> okay, so this is a thing that a lot of teams have done this year. It's a staple of what Kellen Moore has done the last couple of years, whether it's been, been in, in Dallas or in L.A. with the Chargers. Um, so we see this, right? They're going to run this this play. And Jack Jones, the corner for the Raiders, he studies film. So, you know, we're, we're talking about we see trends, right? The uh-huh. best defenders in footballs, whether, you know, it's defensive coordinators or players on the field, and obviously you love it Backers when it's players on the field yeah. because they can react quicker. Jack Jones sees this, and he's look at the jump he's getting right now. <laughs> Just dead sprint. 
So instead of this being a block out, because you can see if they get this block right here, it's there. The lane yeah. they want to create is you there. It's wide open. Oh. But Jack Jones says, dude, I'm going to get such a one-handed pick. It, it's such a good jump yeah. that he actually has to reach back yeah. with one hand to pick the ball off because he jumps it so well. Um, I was going to say, that, just, I had that one as a contender for that. No cap. Just because not only did he make the read, but the way it happened where he's got to reach back, like kind of Odell it, but he's not even falling. You know what I mean? Like it was just well, crazy. And I'll say that the development of the play was a little bit slow. Which made it easier to see, but man, huh. what a play by Jack Jones. He knows they've got an inexperienced guy at quarterback. They're trying to give him easy throws, and uh, he's seen the film, what that motion means. All right, so he just jumps it. Obviously, if you're the Packers or you're the uh, the Chargers, you know, moving forward, you got to have a, a screen and go off of that yeah, to keep yeah. from being able to do that kind of thing. And that's why plays build on each other and generally – you know, you have that in your playbook when you see a player being that aggressive. You just hope that when they do get that tip and they do get that read and they're that aggressive that it doesn't burn you for a pick six like it did there. Yeah. And uh, that really was a great individual effort, great film study, great job understanding trends uh, by Jack mm -hmm. Jones. Huge play. Definitely. Oh, yeah. And that was just a pretty play to watch, too, in general. Not just the, the aspect of him reading and studying, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But second down of the turnover on down is me giving you a bet for next week. So last week we got the push with the Bengals. They pulled out a tough one that went down to the wire in the OT, but they got us the minus three on a push. This week, the ones I'm looking at, we got Rams minus four versus the Saints. It's a lot better than what they had last week at the six and a half, even though they did do that one. Let's see, we got Detroit versus the Vikings. I have Detroit minus three. Like I said earlier, they're still in a dome, whichever place they play. So I, I got a lot of faith in my guy, Jared Goff. I got the Colts minus one and a half versus the Falcons. I think, you know, as much as I do think it could be, it could go either way. I think the Colts have looked a lot better than the Falcons. And two points is, you know, plenty in my eyes for them to get to. And then lastly, I got Seahawks minus two and a half versus the Titans. Taking that one as my final answer. I think Titans, I think Will Levis got hurt last week, and I don't know if they could do anything much better than, I mean, they they, they lost that game last week too. So, and the Seahawks right now, let's see what they're doing. Oh, they're up right now versus 20. Or are they about, wait, whoa. They're, whoa, 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 whoa. We, what's the going Seahawks on in that game? Lead. 13 seconds? 13 seconds left to see. I was, that's what I was looking at. If you saw me looking down, that's what I was looking at. I was trying to get the game on my phone real quick so I could see how it finishes. The yeah. Seahawks are winning by three with 13 yeah, seconds to go. Okay, I guess they're reviewing the last play. I don't know what happened. It looks like like Philly had a, a bomb that got to around the 18, but whatever happened, they're reviewing it, so who knows. That's wild. Okay, that's a, that's a good game. He said, okay. <laughs> hey, I mean, if they if they pull this one off, I feel even more confident about that two and a half versus the Titans. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's my um, final answer for the second down. That's crazy. What a game. This we is, just dropped this a bomb is, on you guys. I know this is terrible for us on our end, but. Yeah, this I is I wild. I'd expect wow. to click the other tab and be like, whoa, they're up 
by three with them. Jackson Smith the and Jigba scored the uh, what appears to have been the game winning touchdown or what oh. could be the game winning touchdown. Yeah, big night for JSN, man. All right. Oh, Drew Locke is in. Hold on. What, what yeah, Drew Locke played the whole game because Gino's out oh. for the, with oh, the man. groin. Drew Locke uh, legacy game there. Okay. Dang. We're going to refocus. We're going to move it to third down, <laughs> third down breakdown here. Um, all right. So this week we're breaking down a huge play in that Bears uh, Browns game. The Browns uh, have the ball at their own 47 yard line in a tie ball game, 17 17, 57 seconds, but they're in a precarious oh. position because it's third and 15, right? So okay, yeah, your yeah, thoughts yeah. are hey, we want to get at least about 10 yards to give our field goal kicker a shot. Right. Yeah. We definitely don't want to take a sack to give the Bears better field position or, you know, throw another interception. To this point, Joe Flacco had thrown three. And if you're the Bears, you're thinking, well, we want to create pressure because we want to try and create a takeaway or a sack, a negative play to help ourselves. Um, in the end, the Bears decide to you'll see as I'm diagrammed, if you're watching this on the on the YouTube they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players sitting on the line of scrimmage right here with three deep, right? Two deep corners and a yeah, deep safety. Crazy. Now they're going to play what's called a three or two under three deep fire zone and send six. Normally, you know, when you send a six man pressure, you're playing zero coverage. You're playing cover zero, man on everybody. Yeah, just man. What they're going to do is they're going to drop a deep third safety, a deep thirds corner. A deep thirds corner, right? And we got the Madden bubbles back out for you this week. Yeah. They're also going to drop two guys who are on the line of scrimmage currently a linebacker who's standing up in the weak side A gap to the field, and a D lineman who's in the weak side B gap to the boundary. So not only are they going to bring six and drop five in zones, they're dropping a D lineman as one of the underneath zones. To say that I disagree with this call would be an understatement. Don't love it from the Bears here. You know, it's just not not my favorite call on third and 15. I think I don't mind sending the pressure, but I think I just play man instead of dropping a D lineman out. You know, I think they got too uh-huh. cute with this, trying to confuse Flacco. The guy's been in the league forever. He's seen all this, right? True, You'll see, true. he's just going to find David Njoku who runs an over out, but kind of converts it to an over when he realizes that, you know, they're, they're, they're dropping out a D lineman here. So you'll see it here. Flacco, you know, number one, the Bears or the um, Browns O-line does a good enough job of picking up the initial pass rush to give Flacco the time to see this. You'll see Njoku clears the backers, right? He goes from an under route, converts it to, you know, the under Sam over Mike old school backside drag route here. Throws it up to him. Breaks one tackle, not only gets the first down, but converts this thing into like a 36-yard gain, puts them in field goal range, gets out of bounds with 46 seconds left. They now have the ability to kick the game-winning field goal. You'll see it from this, this, um, you know, uh, vantage here. Yeah. And so they're going to drop initially. Edmonds is going to drop out, but then come back, and they're actually going to replace him with the other backer. And then here's where they drop out of D lineman. The problem with dropping this D lineman, he stops his feet. He stops dropping. If he had kept dropping, <laughs> he probably is in a great spot. But because he's a D lineman and he doesn't do this, Joe Flacco just, just throws it over him. Top. Yeah. And then you break one tackle by the corner. 
and I mean, it's 88 out the gate, man. It, it was just not a great call from the Bears, but a great play by Flacco to buy the time, get it over a guy who's not used to playing in that kind of space, a great play by Njoku to not only catch the ball, but make the first guy miss, get out of bounds, set up the game-winning field goal. Huge play, but a critical error to me by the Bears, getting too cute trying to run that call on third and 15 in a critical moment in the game. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, credit to him keeping his uh, balance on that one too. Went went for the angle, or not the angle, but he went for like his mid-thighs and kept the feet up and kept it pushing up the field for another like 20, like you said, which is huge. Especially out of bounds. That's always tough too. People fumble that one. They don't they don't get on top, out of bounds on time and whatnot. But let's see. Fourth down. Looks like the Seattle Seahawks won that game. The fourth Seahawks have won. Huge yeah. win for them. Turnover on downs. Fourth down is my bad beat. So I got a couple for you. I got one being Old Dominion last week. They They had a minus four and a half spread and they ended up losing that game outright by three after being up 28 to nothing at a point in time which was tough i have the rams over it, so the score finished 28 20 the over was 48 and a half and at the end of the game they had a block pat which would have allowed people to get that one and then for me personally i i do prize picks every weekend i had matt stafford on his overpassing attempts at 33 and a half, he only got 33, which is tough. I love those half a points, bro. All right. All right. We're trusting you, Joe. The people are trusting you right now. The people are trusting you. Um, okay. We got to finish off the pod with one of our, one of our favorite segments that we've done of all time. Joe, it's the banger of the week. What you got? Yeah. So keeping it a little bit festive, I'm going with the drink, you know, kind of seasonal in a sense. Not necessarily your PSL, you know what I mean? But later in the year, you get this one that comes out. Like I'm going with eggnog, whether it's, you know, biked or just regular. That's my that's my banger of the week. Wow. I, uh, I found it at Costco. Eggnog is a banger? And to me, you know what's yeah, funny about I mean, eggnog? There was it's a like time in my miss. life. You got to make it spikes and then, you know, it kind of tastes better over time. So, so there was a time in my life where I really looked forward to this time of year, specifically for eggnog, but yeah. I don't think I've had eggnog in like years. Uh-huh. I think I'm going to have to try eggnog again so this year. You got to go buy some. You got to go buy some. Yeah, I so, might have to try it again. So for the longest, I was out on eggnog. As a kid, definitely okay. stayed away. My mom so loved it. she have on eggnog here. Yeah, yeah. My mom would would go buy it, and like she knew no one would touch it, so she had the the big gallon to herself. Like whenever she wanted, it was there. Okay. And so, like, I think one year, you know, going like while we're in college, you know, she made a, a little punch bowl of that with with Fireball, and that was the start of me liking eggnog. And so, like, I could drink it normal now, like that's no no bother. But I was I've been trying to figure out what's the best alcohol to mix with it. And apparently it was cognac and or rum, like spiced rum, or bourbon even, like a whiskey. So I've done I've done whiskey and the cognac, and I think it just depends on how much you like what your ratio is. You know what I mean? How mm-hmm. like the more you put of it, like it's gonna be interesting. But if this fits, it's like you know, like a shot or two, like a real shot or two, not the 
two shots, you know, and it's just glug, 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 glug. Like, yeah, it's doable. It all makes sense no matter what it is in my eyes. But yeah, eggnog, man. Seasonal. Fair. I had to keep it in Fair. the in the spirit Fair. of the holidays. All right, dog. Oh, you know what? Since we're not going to be here for two weeks, I've got a sick one? one for you right now. Another banger, just to finish this out. Oh, yeah. Double dipper for you because you don't get one next week. I'm about to go watch it right now, okay? Uh-huh. It's a good show. It's on Hulu. If you got Hulu, okay. you got to check this out. It's called A Murder at the End of the World. Very good. Oh. Very good. Seven episodes short. Yeah. Hour long with ads, right? Okay. So very know. much so worth your time. Very bingeable. Um, just a classic murder mystery whodunit. And, and yeah, honestly, yeah. that's all I need to say. Mixed with some AI, mixed with some future technology stuff. Very good. I'm in episode five now, I believe. So that lets you know. And I started it like yesterday. All right. Oh, okay. So, so it's his fire. Then, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah, going to probably maybe. finish it tonight if things uh-huh. go well. So nice. Nice. But uh, that's your second banger of the week. And we'll call <laughs> it good. And uh, we'll let our guy Ray Ray take us out with his bangers.
do And I just feel like I'm losing my time Cause all of the time I'm thinking about you You my boo, what do I do? Girl, I don't know I'm still waiting for you to come to a show <laughs> So I guess I just be right until my fingers bleed You know I got you whenever you and your time I need Another poem to express myself I'm trying to let my guard down I can't help myself, I mean that And I'm trying to let you know I need that Tell them other clowns I trying to spit game ease back, hey. I mean I got a lot I want to say for now to seduce, sit back and press play I'm reminiscing about the times that we used to have And everything that we used to do when we used to laugh It's been a minute, I wanna know how you been though Close my eyes and hope you knocking at my window 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 Another night Knocking at my window